0: Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Mother-Daughter Team, Dr. Gloria, and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio.
1: Our guest today is Dr. Jed Black, and our topic is sleep disturbances. Dr. Jed Black is an Associate Professor of Sleep Medicine and Director of the Stanford University Sleep Disorders Clinic in Palo Alto, California. The Stanford Sleep Disorders Clinic and Research Center is the world's leading sleep disorders research center. Dr. Black heads a research team conducting studies in insomnia, obstructive sleep apnea, and narcolepsy. On this show, Dr. Black will discuss with us normal sleep patterns and how factors such as sleep disorders, genetic traits, circadian rhythms, stress, grief, and substance abuse can impact those patterns. He will also give us some tips on
2: how to get a good night's sleep. Welcome to the show, Jed.
0: Thank you. It's my pleasure.
2: Hi, Jed. It's great to have you on the show. Well, Heidi and I wanted to have you on the show because we've had uh, a lot of people um, send us comments and thoughts about sleep problems and health problems connected with uh, grief and loss. but. But, you know, everyday stress, and I know a lot of people out there have uh, sleep problems. Obviously, you've got a whole uh, lab dedicated to it. And uh, do you have other labs around the United States now? Oh, well, no,
0: out? we collaborate with a variety of other academic centers that have sleep, um, uh, sleep research programs in, in doing our research.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and the ironic thing is when you have a death, you are so physically, emotionally, and psychologically exhausted, and you need sleep so bad, and that's when you can't get sleep, is after death. It's so hard to
2: sleep. Yeah, at those same times. Well, Jed, how did you get into the area before we uh, get into the specific issues?
0: Yeah, my interest uh, as I got into college uh, became uh, uh, neurophysiology and neurosciences, and um, uh, I sort of pursued a career in neurosciences research, uh, which routed me through the medical uh, pathway. And then uh, as I was... uh, uh, doing residency training in uh, clinical neurosciences research, became interested in the brain regulation of the sleep-wake process, and uh, then decided to specialize in, in sleep medicine and, and sleep medicine clinical research. And uh, that led to my involvement in in these areas, including evaluations and in, uh, you know and management of uh, of insomnia and problems sleeping.
2: Mm-hmm. And you actually have kind of a lab that where people go sleep overnight, right?
0: Oh, yes. Right, we evaluate sleep, and, and we, right, we sort of uh, deal with the whole range of sleep disorders.
1: Yeah, I was, would... and, and you watch them. You watch them while they're sleeping with cameras.
0: Well, we, we watch them with a variety of types of monitors. Uh, we monitor brainwave activity, heart rate activity, limb movement activity, uh, muscle tone, uh, breathing, uh, and indeed deep video. So.
2: Wow. Yeah, you know, there's a lot involved. I was saying to my husband, I went on the internet because we were doing the show, and and uh, I was saying to Phil, I'm just amazed at all the things that there are on the internet. I mean, sleep. When you think about it, we spend eight hours doing something, or I don't know, would you call yeah, it doing of
0: our lives? Right.
2: Yeah. At, at what percent did Hopefully. you say? Hopefully, we spend eight hours if we
1: can sleep. Yeah,
0: if, uh, it, right. If we can sleep well, we can spend a third of our life
1: sleeping.
2: Yeah, a third of our life sleeping. So this is and an, as an important activity as say you know exercising or you know doing other things.
0: Right, and it's important. It's it's, it's, it's equally important to our health. I think that's the right way to to to, to state that in terms of you know as, uh, the, the food we eat, the activity we we get, and the sleep that we get. Uh, those are sort of the three main. Um, uh, important aspects to uh, uh, to promoting health you know so
2: well before we talk about abnormal sleep problems or problems people are having tell us about sleep what's it supposed to be like what are Well circ- I think that's reasons? really
0: important because a lot of times folks will will think their sleep is abnormal when it's entirely normal mm-hmm. and big be, uh, be, but, but there's been a change in their sleep so they view that change as being abnormal and so I, I think that's really important to highlight and I'll just uh try to, dis- to to briefly describe uh normal sleep from its uh you know various iterations uh, the expectation for adults is that I need to sleep eight hours and I need to hit the pillow and fall asleep within a minute or two and then sleep soundly through the night without awakening and then awake in the morning feeling mm-hmm. refreshed and alert
1: that's what I always thought
0: and that's not accurate <laughs> yeah. that's uh but that's what's that that's the myth that's propagated and so now, indeed, a lot of folks will have many components of that younger in life, and then when those components uh, 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 change, then they think, well, this is bad. So, for example, um, uh, most uh, uh, children and adolescents and young adults will indeed uh, feel like they sleep in an uninterrupted fashion. Uh, they, they'll, they'll fall asleep, think they sleep through the night, and then awaken. But when we monitor them... Um, and look closely at their sleep, uh, everybody, no matter who they are, has multiple awakenings during the night. Uh, the thing with the, the younger um, folks is that they, the type of sleep they get uh, predisposes them to not being able to remember awakenings. Oh. And so any, any of you who have had a child know that uh, uh, if, you, if the child is asleep and you have to move them from the couch where they fell asleep to their bed, they might awaken fully and might even acknowledge you and, and and say, what are you doing? And you say, I'm moving you to your bed. And they say, okay. In the morning, they won't remember that. Hmm. Uh, our sleep is an amnestic. And so if we're awake for a short period of time, we will not remember that awakening.
2: When you say an amnestic, what does that word mean? Well, it, uh, it,
0: uh, sleep interferes with uh, memory consolidation. Okay. Sleep's important for memory consolidation in, in one way, but when when sleep occurs right after something has happened, uh, we often don't retain that. So the thoughts that we experience as we're drifting off to sleep may be n- not stored in, in memory. And when we awaken in the night, if it's very briefly, particularly if it's from a, a, a what we call stages three or four sleep, a very deep sleep, it's, uh, and it's, say it's only been a minute or two, it's rare that we remember that. So we can wake up fully, be fully conscious and aware for a full minute or two at night. If it's from a deep sleep, uh, from stages three, four sleep, and we fall back to sleep, we will not remember that. In fact, that happens every night to all of us.
1: Um, so, Jed, you said we have multiple awakenings. I just wanted to know how many hours should we sleep uninterrupted without any awakenings to feel like d- d- it's enough? You know, well,
0: we it depends on the age. And okay. Really what's, what's, what's interesting is not the continuity of sleep and not even the duration of sleep, but the type of sleep we get when we are asleep. That, that, that results in uh, in restoration and, and how we feel during the day. And there are many, many studies that demonstrate this very nicely. We have this notion that it's how, you know, that, that if we awaken twice a night, that's not as, the sleep is not as good as if we uh, are uh, asleep through the night. But let's say, for example, we sleep seven and a half hours on one night straight. Another night we sleep seven hours and 45 minutes, but we have two awakenings that are seven and a half minutes each. Well, we get the same benefit. You know, from that uh, sleep that has the two awakenings. I didn't know that. And um, and and so the the the. In fact, many folks. Uh, I'll I'll just use myself as an example. Uh, uh, up to the age of thirty, most nights I slept through the night. I go to bed, fall asleep, and sleep. I had the capacity if I gave myself the the time. I had the capacity to sleep eight hours. Um, in a consolidated way, at the age of thirty, had uh, my first child was born and he was a terrible sleeper and I, I, I generally was a light sleeper so easily awakened by outside noise and so forth so I was the one up uh, at night to helping him was, to get back to sleep when he would awaken for the most part and uh, that res- resulted in very fragmented sleep for me and uh, ever since that time I've had five to ten awakenings a night um, wow. but that, those awakenings are, are brief uh, currently uh, they, uh, I had a period of Pretty severe uh, problem sleeping and insomnia, but uh, that's now been resolved. And so, but I still uh, have um, a a minimum of five, but frequently up to ten awakenings per night, and that has no negative impact on my daytime function.
2: Now, what about the folks who have strange things like want to eat when they wake up? Well, there are there are folks. So there's uh,
0: you know now with that question, we we would enter the realm of of um, of uh, sleep. Uh, disturbances. Um, one other comment about normal sleep before I move on. Okay. In terms of total duration of sleep, when you add up all the mm-hmm. uh, the sl- segments of sleep through the night, uh, we uh, folks usually feel best if they get somewhere between seven to eight hours as adults. And uh, some folks won't need that seven hours. Some only need six, six and a half. On the on the one end, others only need uh, you know nine.
2: How about people that nap during the day? Does, do they need less? Uh, the, yes, napping can result
0: in less need for sleep at night, and some folks can can really benefit from a nap. Others, it can have a negative impact. And when we start talking about sleep disturbances, I'll talk about how napping can have a negative impact. But sometimes it's wonderful for some folks if it works well for you and it can reduce the time you need to sleep at night. It's no problem at all if it fits into your lifestyle. Um, and the um, Oh, you know, I've got, can you hear that beeping on the phone? <laughs> no,
2: you okay. got somebody beeping. I'm going to
0: switch to another phone. Okay, hang on just a second.
2: <laughs> well, this is interesting, Heidi. I never thought about I, the I fact that I you could to... awake. Well, that's it, Mama. I thought if you
1: have five to ten awakenings during the night, then you would be exhausted the next day and wouldn't be able to function, but that's not true. So. Yeah,
2: yeah, as I, I find out, too, as I get older, I'm a little stiffer, you know, laying in position, so I will uh, kind of have an awakening where I, Turn and I always thought, oh, that's disruptive. But it, but I feel good in the morning, so it sounds like it's really not.
0: Yeah, if you feel good uh, during the day, then uh, then it's just not an issue at all. And so, anyway, in terms of total sleep need, it varies across individuals, and, and each individual needs to find sort of what is optimal for them. Uh, but again, the average is somewhere around seven to eight hours for adults. Uh, some will need less than that. Some will need more than that. And that's a, and it's just individual. Uh, individually specific, and and it, and you sort of have to find out what works best for you.
2: And we're talking about for kids sometimes nine hours for teens. They're saying is that right? Absolutely, I to...
0: average need it ends up being longer for teens and young adults. It's it's closer to nine hours uh, as an average to function optimally.
2: So sometimes we shouldn't worry that maybe our teens are depressed or something if they're sleeping for nine hours. They may right. need well, it. Well,
0: there's a couple of things that we'll eventually get to in terms of the teen uh, sleep need. But yes, that's uh, should. should it shouldn't be a concern about depression if they're sleeping longer. One thing I th- didn't mention that I should is that most people will move from sleeping in a consolidated fashion during uh, childhood and young adulthood into uh, a pattern where there's awakenings at night, and that by itself should not be viewed as abnormal. That is, in fact, the norm to start experiencing in our 30s or 40s or 50s somewhere uh, awakenings, and so that uh, that's that's normal. That doesn't have a negative impact on the sleep itself. Uh, in general, if we're getting back to sleep within a few minutes, that's not an issue. And also the other thing I want to mention is um, uh, a lot of folks will feel, we'll have, there's two other things that we'll see that are normal. Some folks will just have pro- great problems getting out of bed. Uh, uh, they, they Once they get out of bed and get going, then they're fine. But getting the process of awakening and getting out of bed, uh, they never awaken bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And There's this, there's this uh, a misconception out there that if your sleep is good, that or, or sufficient, that you should be able to uh, awaken at six o'clock sharp or just before your alarm goes off, and be ready to bounce out of bed and hit the day. Um, there are folks with uh, circadian rhythm delays that are normal. About twenty percent of our population will be have sort of night owl tendencies, uh, be able to stay up late, uh, but when morning comes, they have difficulty getting out of bed. And they can still have their sleep can be just fine, um, but uh, the fact that they feel still tired and sleepy when they're getting out of bed suggests to them that their sleep is insufficient, and that's not necessarily the case. If you feel good uh, within a half hour or so of getting out of bed, and you feel fine the rest of the day, your sleep is sufficient. And so, it's a misconception that you should feel bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. The other side of of that that, that, uh, issue is the circadian rhythm advanced uh, individuals and there's maybe 20 percent of the population there as well that just you know at nine o'clock in the evening sort of hit the wall and feel very very sleepy and have to go to bed um, that doesn't mean that your sleep is inadequate either Uh, if you're feeling fine the rest of the day it's just that you have sort of an advanced uh, space circadian rhythm and those individuals will uh, usually be the ones to be bright eyed and bushy tailed at five or six (laughs) o'clock in the morning the morning larks and and you know they hit the at the ground running. I like so. that, the morning larks. Right?
1: <laughs> I just, I've never heard of that. <laughs>
0: yeah, so there's there's owls and there's larks. And, right, and, and, um, owls and, uh, and larks, I like that. You know, there's, sometimes those those larks can be a little bit self-righteous. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I was I, my pa- My parents were larks. <laughs>
0: you know, my father, my father was a lark, and he used to come down and get me out of bed. And say, "Come on, get out of bed." People die in bed, so um,
1: <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, the early bird gets the worm. Early bed, early bird rise. You know, yeah. and that stuff. So right. uh, anyway, let's 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 move on, though. Yeah, let me uh, move
2: on to an email that I've got here. Okay. Um. Uh. Someone sent us an email, Jane from Des Moines, Iowa. Sent us an email, and she said, uh, "My four-year-old niece died of leukemia three years ago, and my mother." the baby's grandmother now stays up all night and sleeps all day. I feel sorry for my dad as my mother will not go anyplace with him. It's really strange to go to the house. If my mom is up, she's walking around in her slippers and robe. Do you have any suggestions?
0: Well, she has circadian phase reversal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, based on the information that was just imparted, it sounds pretty straightforward. Now, it may not be so straightforward, but if it is straightforward, uh, a circadian phase reversal, it's actually quite readily treated and mm-hmm. what we use is uh, our, uh, a, a manipulation of the sleep-wake schedule coupled with the ex- exposure to to bright light and the use of melatonin to realign her circadian rhythm in sync with her environment. And uh, it, it, when we travel to a place uh, 12 hours around the world, let's say we travel to uh, uh, the, the, the Mideast, uh, we, we travel to Israel, and uh, if we're in California, that's Roughly a, a, a you know a twelve hour uh, shift in time zones, and um, the uh, what what happens automatically is we you know we, when we get over there we're, we're one hundred and eighty degrees uh, uh, out of alignment with the environment in terms of our circadian rhythm, and within a week or so we'll have uh, complete realignment in general. So most folks can do that n- uh, naturally without really having to do much, but some folks can't and. So and then we uh, there are some individuals that have this potential, particularly if there's something that's happened in their lives and they have uh, with uh, this uh, yeah, grandchild dying, right? And an impact on the sleep and capacity to initiate sleep and so forth that can sort of trigger that if they're if they're predisposed to get out of sync. Uh, yeah, likely the likelihood is that there was a, a, a history of uh, a, a circadian rhythm delay tendency. And then, coupled with the stressor, it just really sort of kicked that into full. Oh, that's program. interesting.
2: So, look at the history a little bit. But
0: we'll, that would be the, yeah. the you know the treatment strategy. And I don't we don't, wouldn't have time on the show to talk about the details unless you unless you'd like.
2: Uh, no, I, I think that we probably ought to move on a little bit But I but know a local sleep questions.
0: disorder. In fact, let me give you know the yeah. America, the, the um, uh, a website, uh, and that's the. Uh, uh, american academy of sleep medicine and that 's a a 's w w as in mother dot net i 'm sorry ASMnet.org dot org let me get that straight a a s m dot org okay there individuals can find accredited sleep centers in their area Oh, great! And um, that uh, was a, is, a, is one resource. For yeah, it me.
2: sounds like a, a real specialty and and very uh, looking at your history and all that kind of thing. Plus, knowing what sleep patterns are, because I think you could just go to your um, probably your local doctor and he might just prescribe sleeping pills or something. How do you feel about sleeping pills? Um, I know a lot of uh, people who have had family members. Uh, Die Uh, talk about not being able to sleep for days. And I know when my son was killed, I was exhausted. And uh, after about four days, I took a sleeping pill, and it was just like the best thing I'd ever done. Right. Well, here's
0: the thing. Sleeping pills can be wonderful, and they can be horrible. And it really depends on the situation. And it's hard knowing if you've you've experienced an acute uh, um, problem with the sleep uh, as a result of grief or stress. Hard knowing, uh, upfront if, if you're one who will benefit from the sleep medications or if you're one who will run into trouble with these. Uh, when I talk about trouble, the trouble that we, we generally see is, I mean, a lot of times folks are worried about becoming addicted and addiction is not so much of an issue, uh, but becoming somewhat physiologically dependent is, uh, is a more common issue. So for some, uh, just kind of an, an, a, a, a quick you know, treatment with the medication for a few days and kind of resolves the problem uh is fine. I should mention that there's about fifty percent of the population this is hard to believe, but about fifty percent of the population that can experience a severe stressor uh or a loss of a loved one and not experience major problems sleeping. Oh really? Might experience a variety of other things. There might be depression, there might be, you know, hopelessness, helplessness, suicidal thinking, those kinds of things, but not uh insomnia or problems sleeping.
1: So, so for the fifty percent that are, I mean, a few days isn't very long. I no. mean, what if I really needed the sleeping pills for a year?
0: Right. So there's a subset, and somewhere around fifteen to twenty percent of folks experiencing these stressors will, will continue for for months, if not years, sometimes, to experience problem sleeping as a result. And that, in day, so that that's where medications can run, uh, can can be good for some, but can be problematic for others. And so, for the for the, you know, uh, for a lot of folks, a few days of, of medication, if that's all that's needed, that's great. But if they're finding they need to continue on the medication, then we recommend uh, moving to getting some help with with someone who can provide non-medication treatment for insomnia. So once we moved, we've moved beyond four weeks of problem sleeping. And by the way, when, when I use the term insomnia, it's difficulty initiating sleep, difficulty maintaining sleep, or a combination of the two. A lot of times people uh, misunderstand the, the term to mean somebody that can't sleep all night long, and that's not what insomnia means. Insomnia simply is difficulty either initiating sleep or maintaining sleep, or sleeping when you uh, would like to be able to sleep. Um, so you
2: look at four weeks, right? And so
0: we sort of, I mean, four weeks is kind of the artificial, uh, okay. uh, you know, if people are are move beyond that we 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 then term them you know individuals having chronic insomnia and with chronic problem sleeping uh in general the best treatment the best long term treatment is in fact non medication treatment uh and uh the most effective of the non medication strategies is uh, is what's known as cognitive behavioral therapy it's a multi component approach using behavioral manipulation of the sleep as well as cognitive restructuring approaches uh Gloria, you mentioned the uh uh, the, the, the individual who has uh, whose mind kind of moves to thoughts about the deceased right. uh, when when they're trying to get to sleep, and indeed, are we're most likely to focus our thinking on the things that are most meaningful to us when we're trying to sleep, and and paradoxically, that impairs the capacity to sleep. And so, in the cognitive restructuring approach, one of the things that's, that, that's done is to uh, you know help the individual learn. To, uh, to to gently but consistently refocus the thinking, uh, in, in, in a fashion that that moves the thoughts to uh, less important issues in our lives. And in fact, the the goal is to move to uh, move the thinking to uh, focusing on things that have absolutely no emotional content for us, uh, because anytime we're experiencing emotion, whether it be negative or positive that is activating and that actually has a significant negative impact on our capacity to initiate uh, sleep.
1: So even positive thoughts.
0: So even positive thoughts. Positive. So, so think about uh, back to childhood when something really exciting was happening, the next day, going on a fishing trip with Grandpa or, or whatever, and you couldn't sleep because that you were so excited. So positive thoughts, negative thoughts have emotional content. And even thoughts that we, 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 we don't even think is positive or negative, we're just thinking about... Uh, you know, some project that we're working on. Uh, Well, that's meaningful to us, and so therefore it has emotional content. Emotions are
1: activating.
2: That's interesting because I find uh, working on the computer at night, if you want to stay awake, just do that. That really engages (laughs) your mind in a way.
1: Exercising when I feel right before bed sometimes gets me. I know that's the behavioral piece of it. Uh-huh. I start to wake up. I, I have a hard time going right. to sleep. Right, a lot of folks will find tomorrow. that
0: exercise can significantly negatively impact their capacity to initiate sleep. So we okay. generally recommend no exercise within four hours of
1: trying within, to sleep. Okay, good. no exercise within four hours.
0: So uh, with respect to general sleep disorders that that that, that go beyond problems sleeping that we we're discussing here, uh, but that include those, uh, one can always talk uh, talk to an accredited. A sleep physician in their area, and they can find those uh, folks on the Internet at the uh, www.AASM, as in mother. That stands for American Academy of Sleep Medicine, org, and they'll be able to find uh, credit sleep centers in their area. Uh, we have sort of uh, now are talking about the disturbed sleep of the bereaved individual, uh, particularly when it continues on for more than a uh, a few weeks, uh,
2: and you know, it might be uh, for brief people. It might be a little longer, you know.
0: Yes, so maybe
2: it would be three months or something. Well, it
0: might be three years. You yeah, know. it can be. Good point. Sometimes just go on and on. And for 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 the folks that have maybe just a short course of problem sleeping, uh, uh, you know, brief uh, use of sleeping pills can be quite helpful. For those that continue on having difficulties beyond a month or so, then uh, we start looking into the. Uh, effective long-term treatments. And that includes uh, the, the, the most effective treatment ends up being a non-medication strategy as, known as cognitive behavior therapy that I mentioned before. And for more information about cognitive behavior therapy, one can go to uh, 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 Charles Morin's book, which is, I think, still the best uh,
2: Yes, so that's M-O-R-I-N.
0: M-O-R-I-N. And that's uh, the title of that is Relief from Insomnia. And again, insomnia is not problems, you know, uh, being awake all night. Uh, now, that can be, uh, but more, much more commonly is the person that has either just difficulty getting to sleep or problems getting back to sleep when they awake in the night or a combination of the two, but not being awake all night. With all of that is called insomnia. So Relief from Insomnia is a uh, book that can help uh, any of those folks.
1: And Jed, you were saying at break that there was there's not an over-the-counter sleeping pill that you would recommend. Is that true? Well,
0: yeah. For chronic treatment, uh, I would not recommend an over-the-counter. Now, sometimes with chronic treatment, uh, medication can be a useful strategy in, in a subset of folks. I would use actually a prescription medication. Interestingly, the over-the-counter agents are almost exclusively. Antihistamines. The antihistamines have two problems. One is there's a lot of carryover effect the next day, residual. Uh, Where you
1: wake effect. up feeling hungover, right? And,
0: exactly. Okay. And the other is that they lose their effective, effectiveness very rapidly in most folks. And so I would not recommend any of the over-the-counter agents for any chronic use. For if someone has an you know, occasional night of bad sleep and they want to use something like that, that's fine, so long as they know about the potential for hangover the next day, but not on a regular basis. So okay. the, the, the the prescription medications are actually better to be used on a regular basis. Some folks can do fine long-term with that treatment, but a lot of folks will do better with the non-medication approach for chronic problem sleeping, and that, again, is the cognitive behavioral therapy. And, um uh, a couple of the questions that uh, that uh, had surfaced uh, Heidi was uh, having to do with caffeine or alcohol right, or right. other substances any central nervous system acting agent uh uh can have a negative impact on sleep and this includes medication so if someone's taking a, a, a decongestant for example and we see this not uncommonly it can have a negative impact on sleep and they don't even know it um, and they have you know, they come in presenting with problems sleeping, and and we uh, do an assessment of medications. And if if they're on a decongestant, for example, uh, that's one of the medications that can have a negative impact. How on
2: about them. antidepressants? Some says. of the
0: antidepressants, particularly Prozac or Wellbutrin, uh, can have a negative impact on um, uh, on on uh, sleep as well. So if if you uh, you know if 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 someone's having difficulty sleeping, and they think back and say, "Gosh, it seems mm-hmm. to have started to get worse or uh, happen uh, when a, this medication was added." it may well be that that medication is indeed having a negative impact. So it's important to have that assessed. And frequently an alternate medication can be used that doesn't have a, a negative impact on sleep.
1: So with the caffeine and alcohol, it, it, should it be four hours before you go to no, bed? No, caffeine,
0: caffeine has a half-life, an average half-life of, of about 10 to 12 hours. Now some uh-huh. folks will, will have an, a, a, a longer duration of negative impact on sleep and others shorter. So for some folks, uh, they can they can drink uh, coffee in the evenings and have no problems getting to sleep with it, but for others, coffee uh, any time in the afternoon or evening can have a negative impact on sleep, and so we recommend no caffeine. After the morning hours, okay. if you're someone who has problems sleeping, just to cut it out completely in the anything after the morning hours. And for uh, for alcohol, alcohol is interesting because alcohol clearly can help people get to sleep. It
1: helps you get to sleep, but then once you're asleep, you wake up more. Right. right?
0: So there's a, a, a subset of folks that will have a, 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 a kind of a big impact on staying asleep. So they they'll use the alcohol help them get to sleep, and then four hours later they're wide awake, Wide awake. And having greater problems than if they hadn't used any alcohol at all. We call that acute rebound, but it happens on a nightly basis for a lot of folks. And in fact, sometimes when we'll have folks come into the clinics, they have problems staying asleep. They have no problems getting sleep. They have problems staying asleep. We do an alcohol history. They're, they're drinking a, you know, maybe a glass of wine at bedtime, and uh, we tell them, Let, let's try this for a while. And they say, oh, I need a glass of wine because it helps me get to sleep. And we say, well, let's try this for a while. Uh, a couple weeks of you not using any alcohol after, you know, maybe a half a glass of wine with dinner, but nothing after that, um, and they'll come back and say, "Gosh, this is uh, this is amazing, but I'm sleeping much better now." So uh, alcohol can unwittingly have a significant negative impact on sleep, and if you're in a situation, particularly where you're having awakening in the middle of the night with difficulty getting back to sleep, it, it's wise to, to try a period
2: of no alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, in That's interesting evening. with the Catholic, because uh, you know if there's a natural inclination, you know, when you've had a loss or something, to want to have a cup of coffee or whatever and friends or whatever, and then and then you know people are obviously self medicating with some alcohol at night to get to sleep, and and now we're seeing what the consequences can really well, be. It can
0: difficult. become a vicious cycle. Absolutely, we're fatigued and tired during the day because we didn't sleep well at night because of the uh, uh, the, the loss. And then we supplement, uh, try to compensate with some caffeine during the day to help us stay awake and feel better, mm-hmm. and then that can result in, in perpetuating a problem of sleeping, and so then it becomes a vicious cycle.
2: So for somebody who really doesn't have like a major sleep problem but has had a loss, do you have any tips for them on how to maybe make their uh, make it easier for them to get to sleep?
0: Well just uh, let me let me briefly mention that uh it, it, it it's it's um, uh, well, there there's a few things that are important that if people aren't doing they should do although most folks are usually doing this but try to 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 set up a fairly regular sleep wake schedule and the, and the most important part of that is actually uh maintaining a consistent arising time. Uh, what often happens if folks have difficulty getting to sleep or they are awake a, a long time during the night? Uh, then they uh, feel like, well, I need to. If they're, if they're sleeping in the morning, well, I need to sleep later. I need to sleep in so that I can make up for the sleep I lost. That can uh, ultimately result in a negative uh, cycle uh, that, that sort of perpetuates the problem sleeping. So the, the, the perhaps one of the most important things, uh, simple things, is to always get up at the same time. Set a get-up time, and weekday and weekend, even if you've had a terrible night's sleep, get up. Uh, and if you need to compensate and get more sleep, try to go to bed maybe a little earlier, or... Uh, if you can, maybe take a short nap during the day rather than sleeping late in the morning. Now, uh, uh, that's a, uh, with the napping during the day, that can be good. It can be bad. Napping during the day for some folks can make it so they have a harder time sleeping. But uh, it, 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 uh, can, it, it almost always is a negative thing to, to, to sleep in or sleep late if you've had a bad night of sleep. Try to, uh, if you can, uh, maybe uh, go to sleep a little earlier or something if you've had a bad night of sleep the night before. Rather than sleeping late in the morning, um, the um, uh, the other thing with respect to uh, I mean that, that I think is critically uh, useful for folks with uh, with stresses or loss uh, when they're focusing on those stressors or or, 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 or the uh, deceased at night uh, is to learn a technique um, that that uh, uh, that is. Um, uh, a, a, a cognitive restructuring approach, uh, and I'll describe it, but I can't give enough information to really be helpful. But, but this is things that people can learn. But uh, one of, um, of of refocusing the thoughts uh, to away from from things that are that are meaningful or the or the stress and so forth that they're thinking about, and, and meditation is one means, by the way, of learning to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people become very proficient at meditation, they can use that strategy as a way of thought refocusing at night. And uh, the, 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 the catch here is that uh, folks will say, oh, I'll start doing this right away. Uh, meditation it does not help the, the individual with problems uh, initiating and maintaining sleep. It does not help them get back to sleep until they become quite proficient at meditating. So once they've learned the skill and become very good at it, then they can you know, during the daytime, then they can start using it at night. Mm-hmm. And so otherwise people can sometimes find, uh, you know, that if they're starting to learn meditations immediately try to use it at night, become quite frustrated because it's not helping. Say, so, well, this is supposed to help. Dr. Black said it was helping. This was supposed to help and it's not helping me.
1: Does it, does it help with nightmares? Have, you know, you have to have less nightmares?
0: Uh, it can help with nightmares as well. In fact, there's, uh, for, for folks who have Frequent nightmares with a consistent theme, and that's their big problem. Mm-hmm. I would refer them to Barry Krakow's book, K-R-A-K-O-W. Um, uh, I don't remember the title, but check it out on the on, on the internet. Um, he's he's got a great book for uh, nightmare treatment. Uh, and that's actually less common. You would think that that would be a common issue uh, with grief and, and, and uh, stress, and it's, it's such not. That's a
1: traumatic loss.
0: Yeah, and 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 even there, it it clearly can occur. And if you have that, you know that's an issue. Particularly if it's if it's a repeating theme in a nightmare, mm-hmm. I would check out Dr. Krakos' book. But, but again, most folks, that is not the issue. Okay. Uh, it's there might be an occasional nightmare, but it's it's uh, the common nightmare is not the most common response. It's more of a of an insomnia, problems getting to sleep or maintaining sleep, and with, with thoughts focused on the on the deceased or or the or the
2: stressor. Well, Jed, it's time for us to close our show. I mean, well, to actually let you go. We're going to be on for another segment. But we want to thank you so much for being on the show today, don't we, Aiden? Thanks, Dad.
1: We appreciate all the information.
0: My pleasure. Yeah, you're doing a great thing out there, so uh, appreciate that.
2: Well, well, take care and have a great day. Okay. Okay. Bye.
0: You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.